On the show today, a treasure trove of movies for those who were raised in the 90s. We hunkered down in the back of an abandoned police station with John Carpenter and his synth. And Alice? Alice? Who the is Alice? Welcome to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. Yes, welcome once again to this week's helping of celluloid nostalgia as we reach back through the annals of history to cherry pick some films that we sincerely hope will never be forgotten. On cherry picking duty this week, we have Sean. Hang on a second. Sean? Hi, yeah. <laughs> yes, and Sharon. Hello. My name is Sh Tosin. Yeah, I was trying to get into the whole alliteration thing, Sean, Sharon, and I just ended up making my name sound like it's a rude word. That's what you get for trying. Anyway, how are you guys today? Uh, yeah, good. Real good. Doing um, good, thank you. Looking forward to this this show. Um, shame I couldn't uh, talk a little bit about Rio Grande and Mad Max yesterday. A couple of great movies there. So <laughs> well done for those guys who, who chose those movies. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. And um, oh, yeah. Anybody see the eclipse today? No. Uh, <laughs> a bit overcast, I think. <laughs> I was at, I was at work and we well, we we'd remembered before we were going that well, there's an eclipse at half nine, and then we were talking to a client and we just didn't remember, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't notice it particularly getting darker at all. So it, it didn't. It um, underwhelmed me rather. I remember the last one vividly. I had the, I had this real sort of mental clarity of being when the, the sky got darker and. And I did the naughty thing that everyone tells you not to do. I had a squint up at it without putting anything on in front of my eyes. So, you know, I could have gone blind. Yeah. But I was didn't. It, was that 99? Yeah, 1999. I was in, um, I was in uh, Emsworth and on, in a traffic jam and everybody got out and had a look. I just remember that. Yes, yeah, so I was at work. We were all saying all the things yeah, we were going yeah. to do. And we all had our yeah. pinhole cameras and we all had everything ready. <laughs> then in the end, we all rushed outside and just looked at the sky. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, it was amazing. I, I remember when that happened. I was actually in another country. I think I think I was somewhere in Southeast Asia at that time, and I was just like I was like, oh great, the one time it actually happens in the UK, and I'm on the other side of the world. And this morning I actually woke up and I went on to went into braiding down like the braiding down road, and I was yeah. there with a whole bunch of other people, and but it was overcast, so you couldn't see anything, and I was like thinking, oh, well, at least it'll get darker. It didn't. No, it didn't get darker. <laughs> it didn't get yeah. darker at all. It was it was like the eclipse just totally passed us by. Yeah, we missed it this time. Okay, yeah. another one in what 2090. Yeah, 2090, I, I did the math. I'll be 100 and something. But well, I won't with, tell you old, I'll be. <laughs> <laughs> with the advance of medical science, guys, we could make it. Yeah, I'll be 120. <laughs> we could make Oldest it. Oldest woman in Britain watching the eclipse. <laughs> <laughs> I was only hanging around for this. <laughs> Just imagine that. All right, cool. So, Sharon, you get, you get to pick a first cherry today. What is it? Yeah, this is the first film I've chosen well, the only film I'm choosing, choosing tonight is one. It's one of my favourites. It's based on one of my favourite books, a book that I've read innumerable times, and it's A Town Like Alice from 1956. Okay, cool. And here's some music by Matthias Sieber from A Town Like Alice. <laughs> Right, so a town like Alice, what is it about and who is Alice? <laughs> Alice is actually the town Alice Springs in Australia. Okay, all right. And yeah, so that's where Alice comes in. And a town like Alice, the town they talk about is a town called Willstown, but it's featured heavily in the book but never gets mentioned in this particular film. So the title is slightly misleading, but they only covered about half of the book. So the bit that's all about the town 
and which gives the title its meaning, is not featured in the film at all. But briefly, uh, well, to summarise what the film's about, you start off, you meet the character, the main character, Jean Paget, played by Virginia McKenna. Uh, She's at a point in her life where she's inherited a lot of money, unexpectedly, because she was like fourth in line to inherit, and then one by one all the people ahead of her have died in different circumstances, mainly due to the war. And she goes to this list office and they said, you know, you've inherited this lot of money, what would you like to do with it? And initially she says, actually I'd like to go and build a well. And he, says, and he looks at her to say, what peculiar thing for a young English woman to say? And he says, why do you want to go build a well? Because, well, in Malaya, because that's what happened when we were in the war. And then she goes on to explain, and then you see the rest of the film through her eyes, that she's in Malaya in 1942, and those of you who know the history know that in February of 1942, Malaya fell. It was, we surrendered, actually, and it was one of the biggest humiliations of the Second World War for British troops. Over 80,000 British, British soldiers alone were taken prisoner of war, and 20, over 20,000 Australians innumerable others. In total, they, we lost an army of about 100,000 men oh. in two weeks. <laughs> and she is taken prisoner when, the, when the, she, isn't, she isn't evacuated in time and her brother is taken prisoner of war. And her and her, she's with a band of women and they're told by the, the local camp commandant that they've got no room for these women, civilian women, because of all these male prisoners they've suddenly had to accommodate and that there's no room for them so they have to go to the next town. And they say, right, you have to go. And they said, how are we going to get to this next town? He says, you walk, just take it easy, you know, 10 miles a day, 50 miles, no trouble, you'll walk it, you'll get there. And so they start walking. And then as the and it's in this tropical heat, they're mainly English or Western women in this sort of dreadful circumstance with the small children. Some of them are elderly, some of them are just unwell ladies. So so wait, hang on, just they're being walked from, from this place to the other place by the captors. Jap- Japanese yeah, Japanese officers, mainly, okay, yeah, and yeah. they've got their own little group of men who are in charge of them. Okay. And as these ladies are marched, obviously it begins to tell on them and some of the late ladies die quite quickly because they're just not they can't cope with walking for twenty miles in that sort of heat. And then they get to the next town thinking, OK, we've got here, we've lost a couple of people, but we've got here. And then that commandant says, no, there's no one for you to stay here. Walk to the next town. And then, again, they walk on, and again, more and more people sort of drop away down the sides. And in the end, they said, no, the only prisoner war camp for you is on the other side of the island. It's 200 miles away. And they're told, right, you've got to walk. They said, we can't possibly walk 200 miles with children. They said, yeah, do you do it in easy stages? It'd be no trouble. And so they start walking. And halfway on their journey, when they start off with about 50 women and then they've got down to 17. That's all the ones that have survived the, the Ill, you know, snake bites and illness. And and just, just, the, just the general, the general, the general treachery of treachery walking, of across, walking the, across the jungle, basically. Yeah. And then when they're walking along, they see this army truck by the side of the road. And as they approach it, they see that it's two white men. And as they get close, they realise that they're two Australians. And... They befriend these women. That's the first sort of white women they've seen since the war started. And they say, you know, what's happening to you? And they said, we're just being marched. We think we're going to be marched until we all die. And they said, well, that's, that's crook. And so they begin to sort of drop off medicine and food for them. And they develop this friendship, the main characters, Virginia McKenna's character and one particular young Australian soldier. And as the story progresses, he then decides that it's so bad that these people are there with these women are being marched till they die and starving that he decides he's going to steal some chickens for her. 
So he steals these chickens and it turns out that these are the prized chickens of the local feared captain of the local Japanese prisoner of war camp. And when he finds out that his chickens are mission, he's on this sort of path of vengeance to find out who's taken his chickens. And he finds these group of women with this bag of feathers, basically, and he starts beating them until they confess where they got the chickens from. Yeah. And then he's, the main character, Joe, he sees these women being beaten and he intervenes and says, no, I stole your chickens. And they crucify him and they make the women watch and then they march on. And so she feels that her actions have led to the death of this man who befriended them. Okay. So when she then so, goes back to where the story continues, she then goes back to Malaya to build this well. And when she was there, she says, I was here in the war, as you know. Dreadful things happened, like they killed, they crucified this Australian soldier. And he died. Is that the character played by Peter Finch? Peter Finch, yeah. Okay. And then they say, oh yeah, he was in hospital for a very long time after that. And she says, no, no, no. He, was, he died. He said, no, he didn't die. He was wounded, seriously, but he didn't die because they asked him, as the sort of Bushido, the honourable thing to do, what's your last request? And the guy said, well, I want a roast chicken and a bottle of beer. And they couldn't find him a bottle of beer. So they decided that they couldn't let him die because it would have been dishonourable to not fulfil his last request. <laughs> so then she decides that, OK, I've built this well, I'm in Malaya, I might as well go to Australia and see how he is. <laughs> so then she then goes on to Australia and then they finally, after much to and fro, they meet and they are reconciled. Cool. Yeah, because I was thinking the music sounds. I don't need to see the film. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. I was like, I was like, I was like, Sharon, are they going to leave anything to the imagination? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's all there. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It must have had a. uh, I mean, that was amazing. You must have really, really loved this film. I love this film. You can tell. There's different reasons I love it as well. It ties in with my own family history. Because my uncle was taken prisoner of war from Singapore. Right. All right. And he spent from ninth. Well, it was my birthday. The fifteenth of February was when Singapore surrendered, and my uncle David Jones he was taken prisoner of war on that day, and he ended up on the Burma railway, as with so many others, and we know that twelve thousand Allied troops died. We know that twelve thousand Allied troops died building the Burma railway, but my uncle didn't. He did survive, and but he did spend the rest of the war as a prisoner of war. And my aunt and my my cousin, who was with my uncle in Malaya, they were evacuated from Malaya in the uh, two weeks before the surrender. So you think all for the grace of God, you know, my my aunt could have ended up as a prisoner of war in Japan, like her husband did. So it, so it has like a, a, a you said quite quite a personal thing to you when you yeah. watch the film. Because every time I saw my dad many years ago, and he would he would think yeah that his sister it could have been his sister when we watched it together. We always thought you know mm. that could have been you know my auntie his sister in those circumstances. So those so was that was that actually based on truth the marching from place to place or was that it um, was actually it was the both characters are based on real people. There's the the, the Australian soldiers based on a Captain Edwards who was crucified for stealing a cow when he was on the Burma Railway and he and three others were, were, were crucified and he was the only one who survived. The other two died where they were, they were basically, they were wired up and they had nails driven through various parts of their body and Eesh. he was able to pull his hand free and his other prisoners were fed him while he was, while he was strung up. But the others who were crucified died and he wrote an account of it after the war and 
the, lady, the account of the women being marched was actually didn't happen in Malaya, but it happened in Sumatra with a group of Dutch women, apparently. And Neville Shute, who wrote the novel, met one of these women whilst he was travelling around Malaya doing research for his book. And he, the two stories in his head sort of coalesced and you've got A Town Like Alice. But one of the little facts I found out reading this, it also made in 1956, there's a scene in there where... She, she, they almost have this friendship forms between there and their Japanese guards. And one of the Japanese guards is played by a gentleman called Kenji Takaki, who was Japanese by birth, but he came to Britain in the 1930s. And he joined the Merchant Navy. And so he actually served in the British Merchant Navy in the beginning of the war. And by some strange twist of fate in 1942, at the same time that Singapore fell, he was taken prisoner of war when his ship was captured by the Germans. And the guy who praised the, the Japanese prison guard was himself a prisoner of war for the rest of the war, but in Germany. So I thought that was quite an interesting just yeah. twist of fate. Yeah. But you often see in these, uh, these 50s war films, this, Jap this gentleman, uh, Kenji, he often plays Japanese soldiers in different sort of jungle warfare situations, though he himself was obviously in Europe for the whole of the war. Yeah, because I guess that, that so at that time when they were making all these films, it would have been quite raw for them, all the experiences. Everybody would have had something personal to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Because again, my, I had one, I had, I've got, I'm one of those families that's got, I had a lot of uncles and aunts. So I had, my dad was one of nine, my mum was one of six. Mm -hmm. All the men were in the armed forces and all the husbands were in the armed forces. So between them all, I had something like 15 members of my close family served in the war. <laughs> so any theatre of war, we had someone in it. <laughs> and so I had an uncle in the Merchant Navy who was too young to join the army at, at the beginning of the war in 1939. He had six brothers in uniform and he was not going to be left behind. So at 16, he joined the Merchant Navy because that's the only service you could join yeah. below the age of 18. So as long as with this gentleman, my uncle was, well, another uncle was in the Merchant Navy as well. Oh, wow. I had a great granddad that went through both world wars. So, joined the what? Navy at four. Yep, seriously. Yes, I got a picture <laughs> of him where he's, uh, he's like really young, must be start away. It's one of those painted pictures, like a photograph, but it's painted. And so he went through the First World War and he went through the Second World War as well. Yeah. So, but a, I think this is <laughs> a, it's amazing, isn't it? And my dad Can't went to Malaya it. as well, but that was in the Malayan okay. emergency. Could I just check, check something here? Where, where, so what, what, today, what, is, what, what did Malaya become? Because when you, when you hear Malaysia, in, Malaya, I immediately think Malaysia. Malaysia, but, yeah. Um, it, it was called Malaya then, but I think it's just Malaysia now. Malaysia. Oh, so it's actually, so it's, it's Malaysia now? Yeah. yeah. All right, okay, yeah. good. Yeah. But when you think about what happened in 1942, this is only eight weeks after Pearl Harbor. So this is the beginning of the Japanese offensive, basically. Mm -hmm. And like Germany did at the, in 1940, they tore across Europe, the German army. And the same way the Japanese Imperial Army, when they started their offensive, they literally tore across uh, continents. Mm. And so from in the eight weeks since Pearl Harbor to the fall of Singapore, they've taken something like 200,000 prisoners of war. <laughs> and then there was, uh, then when Bataan fell, which is the American thing, they lost 80,000 men at Bataan. So we think of prisoners of war as being this small group of men. They, they had a whole army. Within, you know, within two months of starting the war, there was a whole army that was behind barbed wire. Mm. Okay. Not to lessen the tone or to lighten the tone or anything like that but could i have a word about peter finch yeah great actor yeah because um i actually didn't find out about peter finch until later on in his career i mean i think 
I think the only real Peter Finch movie I've seen is Network, which is a great film, by the way. Yeah, when he's much older. Yeah, when he's much older. So what what's he like? Well, he was a bit of a matinee idol, though, in his youth. Okay. So in this, he is played as, he does play it as, not as a complete matinee idol, he's got depth to him. But he was, yeah, I... I well, yeah, we've, we've taken the serious side of it. But part one of the themes of the film as well is a point in the film where Virginia McKenna's character says you can't really hate anyone when she sort of reconciles herself with Kenji's character. Mm-hmm. And so it's not about, you know, sort of fueling the anger and the, 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 ven- the, the desire for vengeance after all these horrible events. It's about saying, you know, we need to, they should reconcile because we are human beings and awful things happen, but you can't really maintain that level of hate. So it's a positive film. And the fact that, you know, they find hope, they both go through this dreadful thing, but they find love in this middle of this war. And it brings out the best in them both. He decides, you know, he even when people they're starving and they're suffering, he looks out for these women, and she becomes the leader of her group, and she looks out for her her people. Oh. And it becomes, yeah, it's a story of hope and reconciliation and love and the triumph of, you know, good things over adversities. Cool, good stuff. Thank you very and much. I can't Sharon. watch this film without crying. To be honest with you, <laughs> I get about ten minutes in, and that's my limit. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you very much, Sharon. That is that is comprehensive. This each time you actually bring a film forward, I feel like you give us an essay on the film. Yeah, I'll have to stop that. <laughs> but uh, it's it's pretty good. My final thing is just that I always thought, guys, did you ever think that Peter Finch and Albert Finney looked alike? When they got older. When they, yeah, got, older, when they got older. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Cool. Because I always I always confuse the two of them. All right. Um. So. Every Friday, I walk around the hospital and just sort of find patients who will speak to me and ask them two questions. Like, essentially, what was the first film you ever saw in the cinema? And what's your favorite film of all time that you've seen at the cinema? Last week, we spoke to Arthur, Arthur Allen, and I actually went back to see him on the Saturday. He said he listened to us and he actually quite enjoyed the show. So um, that was cool. Thank you very much, Arthur. And this week, I was in MAAU and I got to see Carly. And I got to ask her about um, both both questions, actually. The first one she saw in the cinema and also what was her favorite film of all time. Now, she mentioned a couple. She couldn't pick one, so she mentioned a couple. So, guys, after we listen to this, I want you to pick one film that she mentions and say, yep, that one, I, this is my thoughts on that film. So, but first of all, here's Carly. First film I remember seeing at the cinema was Jurassic Park. That was a good film at the time. Yeah, I enjoyed it. And I was with my little brother, and at the end, when it all went quiet, he stood up and roared, and the whole cinema jumped out of their skin. It was so funny. <laughs> that, that's what I remember mainly, just everybody in there jumping. I enjoyed it. Cool. And uh, how about, you say you don't have a favourite film of all time, but if you had, like, you know, if it was going to say your top five, what films would you end up being in your top five? Con Air, definitely. Uh, Titanic. I like that Captain Phillips. New one. Um, oh, I don't know. Decisions, decisions. There's so many. I don't know. I just watch them over and over again. The ones I want to see again. But I love Shrek and stuff like that, though, because there's humour in there that you find after. Doesn't matter how many times you've watched it, there's new humour you pick up on. Despicable Me, I love that film. <laughs> yeah, I've got a daughter. <laughs> 
nothing wrong with Despicable Me. <laughs> and I, I, I don't like the idea that you need to have a daughter or a child to actually enjoy that film. No, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> because if that's the case, I have some children somewhere that I know nothing about. <laughs> I always struggle with animation, as you know, by mm. now. But um, I haven't seen Despicable Me, but I have seen Shrek. Shrek? I did enjoy I was Shrek's made cool. to see it, actually. Because yeah. my friend said, no, you have to watch it. They made me, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, first Shrek is great. Second, the second. Sorry, I keep that. Um, the first Shrek really good. Um, second Shrek really good, and third had some moments. The it went downhill after the second one. <laughs> the the Shrek series I think went downhill after the second one. Yeah. But, but the, the first one's excellent. I think the yeah. first the first one is excellent. The second one I think has the best use of Hawaii Five O, the Hawaii Five O theme yeah. tune, <laughs> in and in any film ever. <laughs> <laughs> the first one, of course, has Jeff Buckley's Hallelujah. Wonderful song. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. You know, brought that song back into the public domain again because many people have forgotten about that song. Wonderful song. Yeah, and, and let's not forget The Proclaimers, 500 Miles. Yes, I do. Oh, like no, 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 it was I'm on my way. I'm on my way, yeah. <laughs> it was I'm on my way. I'm on my way from misery to happiness today. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. How did you do that with a Scots accent? That's, that's really good. You're very versatile, Toast. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, okay. All right, cool. What other films that you mentioned that you thought, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll pick yeah, that one. Captain Phillips was okay, a bit long, I thought. Um, Jurassic Park, obviously, is Joe's Joe's bag. Shane Joe's. Yeah, I know. Um, it's kind of funny how it's kind of funny how last week we had Rio yeah. Grande and Mad Max, and you weren't here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This week we have <laughs> Jurassic Park, Jurassic and Park. Joe's nowhere to be seen. Oh, I know. <laughs> Joe, Joe would have really that that would have been Joe's. Um, Titanic, mm, that's okay. Um, the cartoons, but I would have to say, even though it's not one of my favourite, I did like Con Air. So I, I would have to choose Con Air, <laughs> probably because of all the action. And I, I mean, I've, it was one of Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage, isn't it? It was Nicholas Cage. Cage yeah. yeah, he's it's one of his better roles because he's he's very hit and miss. I think with Nick Cage. Well, so. I think I think this was before he went hit and miss. Yeah, I think I think, I think it was it was before he went hit and miss because right. it was before he it was it was shortly after he won the Oscar. Shortly after he won the Oscar for Leaving Las Vegas, and he had like this trilogy of action movies where he did. He did Face Off, Con Air, and The Rock. Yeah. And that was just when it was like, it was just amazing. It was like Nicolas Cage is the new action star. And you 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 didn't expect that. You didn't expect an Oscar winner to become this sort of like action star all of a no. sudden. But, um, is yeah. John Cusack in Con Air? Yes, he is. Yeah, I've always Mal- liked John Cusack. What about Malkovich? He's not in it. John Cusack. Yeah, Malkovich yeah, isn't Malkovich it. Is he's he's right. Cyrus yeah. the Virus. Yeah, Cyrus the Virus. Yeah. He's yeah. Cyrus the Virus in it. You have Steve Buscemi. Who's his usual weird he's little yeah. bug-eyed self? Yeah, <laughs> eye swiveling madness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. Some, some great characters in that. So, so oh, there's the end bit where they where yeah. they crash in Las Vegas and all that kind all of that stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Conner is actually. I think it's a modern classic. It is. Yeah, I, like I, I action movie. That one. That's I mine. think of those ones you listed of his. Yeah, I think that's the one that probably stands the test of time better. Oh, Conner. Conner. Yeah. Oh no, I would make a big case for The Rock. Would you? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think again they sort of merge in my head. I have to try <laughs> to separate who's and, in what. And as about face off, I was not particularly. Well, like, John Travolta. I was, was distracted you, you, by his teeth. Yeah. Pe- people, people speak about face off like man, they speak about it in glowing terms. Like, is this amazing, amazing movie? I wasn't that sold no. on face off. I didn't no. think it was as great no. as people were making out. I do. I do feel like I feel. I do think The Rock is a much better film than Face Off, yeah. and it's because you got Sean Connery in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has. Oh man, he has some great lines. <laughs> There's some absolutely great lines. He has lines. presence. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, I, I like that. And Titanic. I would say, I still maintain that I think Titanic is an amazing film. 
because and mainly because I saw it. I saw Titanic the on the night it was released before all the craziness started. Uh-huh. So I saw it and I was just kind of like, oh my word, that is... And I remember coming out thinking, oh, actually, they don't make films like that anymore. That's just like an old-fashioned, like, storytelling thing, the way the whole thing comes together. And I I was just raving about it. And then all the women in the country watched it. Or rather, I say all the girls in the country watched yeah, it. I didn't. And they, they all started crying about Leonardo DiCaprio, and they ruined it. They ruined the film for me. It's, it, that, it's quite funny that you say it's like a, a um, classic, of an old-time classic. Um, I always... My favourite film about... The Titanic is a night to remember. Yes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Terrific, terrific film. Yeah. Uh, but what's really interesting between the two films, because they often compare and contrast, and in the night to remember, all the British officers are stiff upper lift, women and children first, all this sort of thing. When you look at Titanic, the captain shoots himself, and, and they're all like panicky, and, and yeah, it's, it's like a... a total contrast from. Oh yeah, yeah. From you know. Um, yeah. I ha- I have to confess, I haven't still, still haven't seen no. Titanic because I just I did I wasn't comfortable with some of the the, the the things they changed about the facts of what we know what happened on that night. Though they're all some of them are sketchy, but from the trial afterwards, I thought I'm not. I don't really want to watch this if they're not going to tell the truth. No. It has moments. Because, <laughs> <laughs> again, I think a reputation is important and I think history is important. And I think one of the officers who was on the Titanic later went on to lift people off the beaches of Dunkirk. Oh, yeah. And in the film, he's displayed as being a coward. You think a coward doesn't take a 30-foot yacht across the channel and pick up men off the beaches under fire and sail them back across the channel again when he doesn't have to do it. And I think to show him that sort of man as a coward is just wrong. That's just wrong. Or maybe he was a coward earlier in life than he felt so bad about it that he reformed later on and decided that he was going to spend the rest of his life being courageous. That could make a film in itself. Yeah, that's a nice thought, but I just think they're just it's lazy filmmaking if you if you destroy someone's reputation that easily. I must say, DiCaprio though is just for me. He's he's turned into a terrific actor. I, I really, he's, as really he's really grown up, he seems to have got better. Up, when he was excellent. that matinee audio, I just didn't like him at all. Well, the thing is, I actually think he was always a great actor. Great actor, yeah. Because like, if you look at his early career, look at like Basketball Diaries, and you look at things like oh, What's Eating Gil- Gilbert What's Grape. What's Eating Gilbert Grape? He is amazing. How, and how then, and then, uh, he, sorry, what were you going to say, Sean? I was going to say, what about The Quick and the Dead, the Western way? I, I liked him, yeah, I liked him in The Quick and the Dead. Yeah. And the, the problem I the problem I felt is like, so he did Romeo and Juliet, which is a brilliant film, and he's great in it, but it made him, because he played Romeo, it made him this matinee yeah. idol. And the, and I think that, that fed into Titanic because that was the next film he did. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it became this huge thing of women looking at him and crying and all that. Mm-hmm. So even though I feel like he's somebody who was spending his whole career trying to be a real actor and a real artist but the but the titanic effect followed him around for probably about a decade yeah i think it's anything now when he's like doing the great gatsby and things like that that he's becoming recognized more as an actor than yeah because even even you look at his his choices mm. because i think after the after titanic he did the beach next yes which that is wasn't entirely successful was it it wasn't entirely successful but i feel like he wanted to actually he wanted to act and he wanted to tell a story and he wanted to actually give a performance but um i think people put him in the beach because they were like oh yeah a lot of women went to watch this guy in titanic they'll go watch him in the beach <laughs> and <laughs> and i think he was kind of like no that's not the point whatsoever that that's not going to work and sure enough it didn't work so um but i think nowadays he is he is escaping that and becoming one of the he's, he's i think when you look at the end of his career you're going to look back over his 
his career and you're going to say this guy put in some amazing performances and why didn't they ever give him an Oscar? That's right, The Departed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Terrific in that. Yeah, but you think he's got more to, to do though, yeah. hasn't he? Because some actors you think, I don't, I can't see where you're going to go from here. But him, you can think, yeah, he's probably just going to age with his roles. Oh yeah, totally. He'll still be around when yeah. he's a middle-aged man. Yeah, I mean, even uh, I think he's he's one of the few sort of big name actors who I think can probably still surprise me in movies. Like, um, like I, I was totally surprised about him in Django Unchained. Yeah, yeah, he was <laughs> he was brilliant in that. Django, oh, and, oh, and the Wolf of Wall Street. The Wolf, yeah, the Wolf yeah, yeah, of yeah, Wall totally Street. Different role. Oh my God, <laughs> that the scene, the scene where he's trying to drive the car. But he's like, well, he's taken like this <laughs> out of danger. Yeah. Go. Yeah. He's, he, <laughs> it's funny, DiCaprio. What What would you say is your favourite role then? I know it's a of tough his. call of his. I would say that it has to be in Django. Well, I'd probably say go with Gatsby then. Gatsby, yeah. I'll go with What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Great. Yeah, okay, good. good it's, a, it's an early one, but it's an early one, but it's a good one. Yeah, that's good. So would you agree with that then, Sharon, or what's your choice? No, I'd probably go with, yeah, Jurassic Park, I think, Jurassic would be Park. the top one, then Shrek. Yeah. Uh, and then I would give a nod to towards Con Air. Um, Captain Phillips, I haven't seen mm. uh, that one. But it, wasn't, it didn't grab me as a cinema release, so I might go and catch it on DVD. I but yeah, Titanic would be on my bottom of my list because I, I haven't, yes, I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Captain Phillips, I think, is, I think Captain Phillips is very good. The last... The last so five minutes of Captain Phillips are amazing, and it's it's kind of weird because it's a, it's a weird little in the it feels as if it's it's kind of been keeping its powder dry, and then the last five minutes of the film it's like it's especially Tom Hanks is like they just let Tom Hanks loose and you're watching it going whoa, it's so yeah I like Captain Phillips. That would be your choice then, yeah. An oh no, oh good lord of the films. No, I, I think I'll stick with Titanic. Titanic, <laughs> excellent. Yeah, they're all good. They're all good choices, though. Yeah, they're all, yeah, they're all good choices. Bag. Yeah, yeah, real yeah. mixed bag. Carly, you promised you'll be listening. So, Carly, right now we say you have good choice. I mean, you have good taste. All right. Even the, the I mean, those those are almost all movies that could be on like uh, exception to the rule. Yeah, yeah, I know it's great. And if you don't know what that means, we will explain that later in a second. But now, Sean, you get to pick a second cherry of the week. You get to choose the the second film that we think we hope this film never gets forgot, forgotten. <laughs> I I don't think this film will ever um, get forgotten. Uh, I've been thinking over the years. I've really tried to work out what. But it's, it's always difficult to say what your favourite films are and what your top films are. Next five, but I've come up with my top three, and this is the second one on the list of my all time favourite films, and it is the nineteen seventy six version of Assault on Precinct Thirteen. The nineties. Okay, cool. I'm just gonna play this because I think this is iconic. Okay. Um, sorry, Toes. No, 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 no problem. No you, problem. Go. You enjoyed that, didn't you? Oh, yeah, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that because I said it was iconic, but the truth is I actually only saw this film for the first time two days ago. <laughs> and, <laughs> and straight away, straight away, even though I've only seen the film for the first time two days ago, that sound, I was like, that is iconic. That it is, is just iconic. classic, straight and away. It's been sampled in the chart songs and everything, yeah. I think, by some people. Has it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. There was some, I think there was a hit with that as the like the backing track. 
the back there. That, it does that, sound very Gary Newman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking like yeah, Eurasia. <laughs> I'll, or something. I'll probably find that for you later. <laughs> but this, I mean, I, I don't know if I can start to go now. But yeah, is, no, go, 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 go. Like, go for it. You, go for you know, it. after that music stops and then the, the, like like this gang appears and the police, okay, throw down the, and this big shootout and it's like whoa, this sets you up for for a really really good movie. Um, this film is basically Rio Bravo. Um, but put in a modern setting really so it's a western um, of a group of people in a police station that are holed up and they're being attacked by this this gang of of people who don't really care and they just want to they want to get in to the station and it's just some uh, defending I think original originally it was going to be called the Anderson Alamo but uh, it didn't really make it. It wasn't popular in America. The Americans didn't take to it. They couldn't get the. Well, they didn't like the title. They, well, it wasn't so much that they didn't like the film, or the film did not get. It got mixed reviews. Some people said it was good. Some, and it wasn't until it was released in um, in Europe mm-hmm. that it became really big. The Europeans and especially the British in Britain, this was like really, really good. And then on review, it's it's turned out as you know the Americans one of the best sort of films of its genre. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 just so good. I just remember. I can remember. I went to my mate to see this at the pictures, and I just remember we were like totally blown away. And there's one particular scene, which is when they're they're freeing the prisoners from the the uh, the cells. They've got these prisoners. Oh, the with with it, the with the lady with the secretary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my the, word! Hurry up! Hurry up! Oh. That's just like, oh. Yeah. So I mean, I mean that was like, and I think the whole cinema went. Whoa. You know. <laughs> Um, so that that's really good. Everybody I know who's seen this film have said it's it, you know it's a great movie. Have you seen it? Show? I have seen it. Oh, you have seen I've it. I've seen yeah. it a number of times. Yeah, yeah, a number of great times. Great film. I remember the scene in particular. It's the very beginning of the scene where there's a little girl at an ice cream van oh, who yeah. gets shot. Oh, oh, isn't that one of the triggers that starts the whole starts thing rolling? The whole it's, it's kind of it's kind of like the triggers because the the thing I thought about the film is uh, like the first thing that comes to my head when I think about this film is it's lean. It's lean. There isn't. There is not a lot of fat on no. the bones of, no. of this film. So it's assault on precinct thirteen, and that's about almost all you get. The assault on precinct thirteen. Yeah. Why the assault happens? It's kind of like a lot of the people who are being assaulted never actually find out why they they're find being. Out. Out. <laughs> they, don't, they don't know why they're being assaulted. Yeah. But it's it's kind of like okay, yeah. So there's a little bit of preamble that just sort of says this is who these people are. This is this abandoned st- police station. This is who the gang is. And now let's just get that all out of the way and get to the assault on Precinct Thirteen. <laughs> exactly. And, exactly. It's, and I think it's just it's really really lean. You you sort of understand. Like I think every bit of the assault makes sense. Like you can see, it's almost like watching. There's bits of it where I thought it was a bit like watching a game of chess between the guys who are being assaulted and the guys who are doing the assaulting, as in, what are we going to do next? What are we going to. And like the bit that where there's somebody asked the question is like, why are they moving all the cars back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, what, what, what do they see? Nobody <laughs> sees anything. They hear shots, but nothing's happened. Yeah, you know? no, and it, it's just, it's just, and it's, it's quite a clever, sort of intense, almost chamber piece, but it's, I think, John Carpenter, who. I think he wrote it, he directed it, it, he did the music, he did like every <laughs> he did everything. He did everything but star. Vision. Yeah, he did everything but star in the film. It was yeah. um yeah, it's it's quite funny really because um he, Carpenter was obviously a big hand a uh, big fan of Hawks, you know, Howard Hawks. Yeah, Howard which, Hawks, which yeah. we were talking about the other day. It reminds me a little bit of George Romero as well. Yeah, there's a bit of the night of the living day. It's like a like a cross that between. sort of one of the things that, that the, the we're getting day. that paired down direction yeah. where mm-hmm. it's because not the actual flashy. Gang, 
are like zombies, really. Because yeah. you never really, there's no cat. So they're almost like the, the zombies that. that they're actually very because there's no i remember that even at the beginning the the thing that kicks the whole thing off when the when the father of the girl who gets who gets shot she ch he chases down the leader of the gang even when he shoots the leader of the gang there's like no emotion no there emotion there's like nothing no. there he just nothing. kind of falls down yeah. It is, but in some ways, it's, it is the way you, when you see how civil unrest kicks off. It's one incident, and then people start looting shops. You think, why would you loot a shop because someone's shot a little girl? And so it's that whole the way that you think there isn't a linear pattern in the way these things progress. It's suddenly it's like a tinderbox, and all the things that made everyone angry, and all that suppressed rage and mm -hmm. whatever resentment just flares up, and then just you head for the nearest. Thing to vent your vent your frustration on. Yeah, yeah. In this case, it was like this precinct building, wasn't it? It's like you know what we're cross. Doesn't matter why. <laughs> now nobody said anything about the cholo. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Look at that. There's some some great iconic. Well, I I practically know the lines off by heart. Look at that. Two cops wishing me luck. I'm doomed. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Now I want to know is what started all this. Uh, but then you see this, this this scenario though in loads of shows. I mean, I watched Banshee quite recently, which is not for the faint-hearted, I have to say. Mm -hmm. um, a television, American television series. And recently in that, they had an assault on their police building. Oh. Where they had this sort of Native American tribe was suddenly out to get them all. And you had them all holed up inside the police station. And you had these quiet moments where you have like these quite intense conversations. And you get these like partnerships get formed with the most unlikely people yeah, but to survive yeah. they join forces and then you get sudden moments of violence and then there's quiet so it's like you've obviously watched Assault on Precinct 13 yeah. Makers of Banshee <laughs> yeah 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 so I think it's had a big influence there's a lot of modern films that yeah. have, had, have said that, that Assault and Precinct 13 has a really really big influence on as we'll see in yeah. a second yeah 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 for sure <laughs> um but some of the lines in it, oh, I just love it. I mean, I, I love the fact that how you have the guy, the Napoleon guy, who just Napoleon keeps asking, Wilson. "Hey, you got a light?" Yeah, you got and a cigarette. Throughout yeah. the whole film, he just keeps smoke. he just keeps asking someone for a cigarette. Yeah, yeah. He just keeps asking him for a cigarette until it becomes like this. It just becomes like a, a sort of like it's, iconic thing on its own. Like, yeah, yeah. Like when he, when he eventually does get a cigarette. And okay, so now let's talk about a little bit about the remake. So, <laughs> no, we don't talk about the remake. The remake was was I guess if it had been a good action film. Um, it would have been okay, but why they called it Assault on Precinct 13, it I don't know. It didn't seem to bear any relation be, to the original, did no, it? No, no relation to the original at all, apart from the police station. But how could, in that, this is just a street gang, it's like the whole police department are after this one guy. Yeah. And at the end, they call out helicopters, SWAT teams, vans, and there's this big shootout in the snow, and it's like, come on, what's going on there? <laughs> Somebody's going to... I mean, there, in, in the original, you had a gang, and the police were, you know, what's going on, what's going on? Whereas there, you've got all the police actually attacking the the police station and SWAT and everything. Surely someone high up would say, you know, someone... Why are our resources <laughs> What's going on here? What's, 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 what's happening? Why do you need the helicopter and the SWAT and the police patrols and all that and blowing up things? And, wouldn't and happen on Alibi when you've got a Sergeant and Five on. So, <laughs> that wouldn't happen. So that really, that really, really... I mean, the film, okay, is an action film, but it could have been like a die-hard film or something like that. Don't call it Assault on Precinct 13 yeah, because uh, it's certainly not. Uh, I only went to see it because I thought... I knew the original when yeah. I saw the remake, and I sat there thinking, "What is oh this?" My God, yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing to do with the salt and It's it's kind of funny because I was speaking to Carly in the hospital earlier today, and we're talking about exactly the same thing, but with the Italian job. Oh, uh, yeah, you yeah. had the Italian job, and they had the you had it wasn't even a remake or just another film that they gave the same title called the Italian Job yeah. that had minis in it, and I was and I remember thinking, they just made a road for their own back. If you hadn't called it the Italian job, I don't know, call it something else, it would have yeah. been okay. But the fact that you've called it the Italian job just means 
it ends up looking rubbish because it, it's like it's like thousands of people. At, no, we, not only that, it seems to have forgotten everything that made the original one good. Yeah, we 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 should um, do a remake show. We could have a show. We're just. <laughs> I mean, you got Gone in sixty seconds. Gone, in, you know, which was made in seventies. Gone in sixty seconds, which was made remade. I think Nicolas Cage again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you've got. Uh, it's Jimmy Jones in it. You got. What's not to love? You know. Um, there are a couple actually of, re- of remakes that I have to say I, I, that, are, that, I really that work quite well. Work, well. Perhaps we could do that another time. But just to say, you know, some remakes work, but most of them don't. I don't think. And especially well, that- yeah. Well, I, I think the thing with this one is like I think a lot of the stuff because we're talking about the direction, how yeah. it's like the, I think the 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 1970s Assault on Precinct 13 is lean. It it's is, lean. Yeah. There is yeah. no extra stuff in there. Everything in there is in there for a reason. There's nothing that was like, oh yeah, we had some money, so we decided to blow that building up. <laughs> nothing, nothing yeah. like that. It was done. It was done on I think, on about hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, hundred thousand dollars shot in twenty days. Yeah, I mean, it's you can look at it. I mean, you can see the fact that the direction is non-showy. It, the the foot the 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 picture is quite. It looks grainy, but it just adds yeah. to the whole yeah, thing yeah, about definitely. it. And I think the like there's the scene where one of the guys goes up through the manhole and then wires a car and then drives off, and there's a there's and there's the bit where there's a guy in the back seat. Who, who get, yeah. And I'm thinking any other film that would just have been like you know oh, like oh, oh let's like zoom around this whole thing and let's show it off, but it's just kind of done very matter of fact yeah. in in the film. Yeah. And and one thing I have to say is that uh, um, I love well there's one major female character who I just I just love her Laurie Zimmer. Yeah, the secretary. Yeah, him. yeah. Plays the, Lee. Yeah, Lee. The way she, goes, she, she, way she. I mean, there's that scene. One where she, film. It's the only film. That was the only film she did. Well, she did another one. They, they, they tried to find her an actress. It's the only film she did. She didn't like herself in it. So that Laurie Zimmer as an actor. There's, there's one film that is called Finding Laurie Zimmer. Oh wow. Which was so because that's the only film she did. Because, because that's the other thing I was thinking. Because most, most of the people before. in this film, I haven't seen them in anything else. Nancy Loomis was in a lot of, lot of Carpenter films. She was the one that gets. Look, I really think they're gone. Oh yeah. I mean, look. <laughs> she was in Halloween and a few others Carpenter films. So she was like a, a yeah. stock, um, a stock. So, so yeah, she, she sort of turned up. But um, I think the only person I've ever seen was the guy who plays Wells. Yeah, 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 yeah. The guy who plays yeah, Wells, uh, he he plays a cook in a TV show called Frank's Place, and that's the only other place I've seen him. Yeah, he was mainly a TV actor, I think. But yeah. he's just like there's been bands named after him, and I mean, there's just like <laughs> he's like, you know, uh, he's just an incredible actor. And I mean, I just love him. You you were saying about you got to smoke. Mm, sorry, I don't smoke. I have, but I'm not going to give you one. <laughs> <laughs> that that was on the on the bus. But the, the for me, and I just watch this constantly, constantly is. There's the end of the film. I just love it. And, oh yeah. And they've survived. I'm, I'm going to put a spoiler in now. I don't care. They've survived, and the uh, a policeman goes to put the handcuffs on Napoleon Wilson. Yeah. And he just this goes, guy. And, get your and, and hands off him. Get your hands off of him. <laughs> and the copper walks away, and he looks, and he goes, "It would give me the greatest pleasure if you would walk outside." And Napoleon Wilson just goes, "I know it would." <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty fancy, Wilson. I have moments. And then that music cuts in and they yeah. just walk up. And, and I, to me, I just like, oh, I just, I, I use that phrase a lot. You're pretty fancy, mister. <laughs> I, so, yeah. How many people get the reference? That's it. Um, not Well, yeah, some people do. Some people get it. But there's oh. also one about that Laurie Zimmer. I, I don't know if we can use this word, but they're talking, the, the, the girl. What word? Talking. <laughs> We're anyway, he goes, um, he says, I've got two shots. Shall I save them for us? And he says, you save him for the first two a-holes to come through that vent. <laughs> this was the vent that, yeah. that, yeah. that Wells gone to get the car. So, And I just love that. 
And yeah. she goes, you know, I'm I'm curious about one thing. Only one thing? No, there are others, but <laughs> but this one in particular. What's to stop you taking off down the manhole like Wales? And he goes, well, there's two things a man should never run from. One's a man who can't run with you, even if it costs you your life. And the other? I'll tell you about it sometime. It's just that, yeah. like, all that stuff. It's yeah, it's, like, it's yeah. like the way he said, uh, the thing is, not even there is the fact that when she says on the other, and they just share this look. Just look, yeah. And exactly, where they just look at each yeah, other for yeah. a while. And, and 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 I think it's it's things like that when you talk about the pared down, not much being said, so, everything like yeah. that. Because I remember there's a scene in the remake, to go back to that, where they have the character who's supposed to be the the Wilson character, is played by Lawrence Fishburne, and the character is supposed to be like the Laurie Zimmer character, mm-hmm. played by, I think, Dre de, Mate- de Mateo. And they essentially everything that's unsaid in that scene that just gives it its power just gets said and they have this whole thing about oh you know when you're dead and all and i'm just kind of like you just yeah. killed it Not <laughs> now yeah. you just killed it you you, yeah. you you don't know what made the original good <laughs> so all right i saw them precinct 13 good i choice. gotta yeah, say it yeah great choice man great choice as i said saw it two days ago and it's jumped right into like my favorite lists good. it's it's good. Deserves to be. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's. I think it's a great film. I just. I just love how pared down and lean it is. It is. I, it's really. Is, I yeah. love films where they don't put extra faff in there, and this just doesn't have it. And so, anyway, now we're going to talk about every. Well, every now and then we have a feature called uh, exception to the rule. The rule being they don't make them like they used to, and the exception being that there's got to be some films that they do make like they used to. And Sean, you've chosen a film for us this week. I I have, and it's, it's a really recent film, 2014 release, and it's called 71. And I think this month it's it's out on DVD. Yes, it's out on DVD. And this, it, it came to the local cinema, and I was really lucky that it was the half term, because it was only like at 10 past 12 showings. That's all they had, yeah, lunchtime like showings. And I managed it's to sit. Madness. Yeah, it was madness. They should have. And so, not yeah, yeah that's Cineworld. I missed it. Yeah, I did get it. World, yeah. But. Yeah, I missed it as yeah, well. 10 past 12 in the week. Who's going to see that? Yeah, from the very start, from the very start, this film, I was like, whoa, this is going to be good. Mm. And it's, I mean, I mean, the daytime scenes are shot on 16 millimeter, which is, is, is a medium I love, which is, mm-hmm. you know, because I mean, standard was 35 mil and then 10, but this is 16 millimeter. So it's got that very grainy 70s feel. Yeah. And it feels like the 1970s. Yeah. It just really, really. And I thought, and because I grew up in this area and it looked the same and it had that drab. Uh, and basically the story is, I don't want to put too many any spoilers in this because I'm sure you'd like to go and see it. But it's this uh, young lad who's joined the army. Um, and he thinks he's going to go to Germany, but there's some troubles in Northern Ireland, so he gets shipped to Northern Ireland, and he doesn't really know what's going on. He's got no idea. He doesn't know the the, the politics behind it. He knows absolutely nothing, and he's suddenly thrown into this. Because this is the start of the troubles, isn't this it? This is the this start of the period. troubles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah nine, that's where the film gets its title from, 1971. Yeah, yeah, yeah 1971. So, and basically they they go, okay, we've got to go. There's a bit. Of, we're going to have a bit of trouble. We're going to help the police. Um, you know, you know, do this search, and so the army turns up, and they're going to get in riot gear, and the officer says, "No, berries only, berries only. We we don't." And cut a long story short, there's a bit of an incident, and one of the soldiers gets caught behind in enemy in this lines. Riot yeah, so. so, and then it suddenly turns into something like out of Apocalypse Now. You know, it's like a total. It's like so you've got all this, and 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 you don't know who's good, you don't know who's bad, you don't know who's different. There's smoke. There's there's fire. Uh, there's good guys, bad guys. They're all you've got. The different IRA fractions, you know, you've got the the provisionals and the other IRA that don't like each other. They're all going to do that. They're trying to, and they're all trying to find 
this soldier. And then you've got... So the, he gets separated from his unit? He gets separated from his unit, yeah. Right. And then... Um, and he's what, trying to get back to his so, barracks or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think, uh, it's, I think it's, it's set over... I've heard it's set over one night. And essentially him night, trying yeah. to survive until the survive. morning yep. to get back, get back yeah. to the barracks. He can, well, well, he doesn't even know where the barracks is. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't yeah, know where he is. He's, he's dropped he's in, in the middle of, what, Belfast, yeah, yeah. is it? Yeah, yeah. But there's one bit in it that, and which really I thought was excellent, which I thought, oh no, this is going to get cliched, where he sort of goes in a, in a house and there's a, a a young girl there, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be here we go. This is going to be here we go. He's going to fall in love, going to help. But yeah. she's like, and, and her dad's there, and says, oh yeah, but she doesn't. She goes and like dobs him. You, you, do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh my god, that's so good. <laughs> it doesn't he follow like, the cliche. He looks it does at it, something doesn't new. follow the cliche or... of like, oh, I'm going to say. And um, also, there's a guy with the same name as me, and smells slightly different. But and he's oh Sean, ha oh, Sean Harris, yeah, 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 that's my name. Oh, he's that, in it. Isn't yeah, he's in it. Yeah, he, he plays he's ginger, and he's always angry. Yeah, he plays. Yeah. Uh, he plays rather. <laughs> he plays a uh, Captain Sandy Browning, and he's like a real. He's like an undercover soldier. You know, mm. you've made a mess. You're gonna. You know, you want me to clear it up and all that. But it's just honestly, this this film, it's it's everything. It's. Apocalypse Now. It's like the Living Dead. It's Assault on Precinct Thirteen. It's like yeah, because, yeah. because Harry's game. Harry's game. Because you say it'd been like seventies and all that kind of stuff. And I'm gonna play a bit of the soundtrack now, which makes me think that it's like, for it's from seventy one. And I think it's fair to say that these guys were inspired. I put that in, in I put that in inverted commas. <laughs> they were heavily inspired, or at least massive, massive fans of. John Carpenter. So bear in mind the music that we heard from uh, Assault of Precinct 30 and then listen to this. So like I, yeah, I hear that and I think it's, it's like this film was made in the 70s and just like it's a film like escaped. Yeah, yeah. So, so that has to go down and I know this is very like just seeing it, that's my that's my third favorite film. So Assault's my second. Um, it's come right in there, the and so ten. it's coming at, at number three. Yeah. So it would be interesting if people could tweet or maybe um, on on the website guess what my my. All right, yeah. So number one film is. If anybody has access to Facebook and you want to go to, they don't make them like they used to on Facebook. By the time you type in, they don't make them. We should show up, and um, yeah, I'd have a guess at what you reckon Sean's favorite film. Ever is, <laughs> and 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 this has taken me many many years to, to many years to finally work out. Yeah, but, I, but I've got them. I've got them. My top three, top three, and this this seventy one is number three. Yeah. And Joe, I, I've spoken to Joe about, it and he goes, "It better be good, Sean." From what <laughs> you've told me about it, I said, "Oh yeah, I think it's the best, one of the best British films ever made." Best British film. He's like, "Oh, what? Oh, what? Oh, it's seventy one." Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you were yeah. saying your best film was a British film. I was like, oh, no, dude, no, that's no, that's no, giving no. away way too much. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's, no. My, my, no, not my, not my top film. So <laughs> I'm not going to give no clues on that. I think, I think perhaps Sharon's got some idea. I might have an idea. Joe knows, so don't don't give any clues, Joe. Yeah, I think I think I think you might have said it before. I yeah. think it was, I definitely know that there's a director that you love more than any oh, other yeah, one. Yeah, so yeah. it's like top I, director, and, and I think that there's one film from that director so that you I would probably, pick. You probably know, but let's see. Let's <laughs> see if there's anybody that's listening. That, that, yeah, that wants to have a go. If anybody listening, all right, cool guys. Thank you very much. That was that was fun. That was fun. I enjoyed that. How are you guys feeling about that? Yeah, no, it's good. <laughs> it's good. And that yeah. does that's it. There's a little link that ties in that film with our first film, A Town Like Alice. Mm -hmm. And that Jack O'Connell, who plays the soldier in 71, was in Unbroken, which was Angelina Jolie's last film. Oh, yeah. Where he plays the Japanese prisoner of war. 
So we have yes. a little full so circle lots thing lots going on. We, we don't just make this up. No, oh, no. No, 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 no. Oh, no. It works really, really well. We, we've got <laughs> themes and foreshadowing and all that kind of stuff yeah. going on. We know what we're doing. We can join up dots, can't we? <laughs> we can indeed. Give us a crayon, yeah. we can draw pictures. <laughs> All right. Um, so anyway, thank you so much for being with us for the past hour. Uh, if you're in the hospital, we hope that you get better soon. We hope everything goes well. We hope you get home and we hope you can get down to the cinema and watch a film that Cineworld haven't pulled before its time. Until then, stay well, good health, and remember that they just do not make them like they used to.